Good morning friends and welcome to our Sunday morning podcast. My name is John Thorpe, I'm the minister here at Shell Harbour City Anglican and it's wonderful to be together. A particular welcome if you are joining us for the first time and we look forward to meeting you. Uh, if not on Facebook then perhaps even face to face one day. Uh, for many of us this Easter period hasn't worked out quite the way we imagined and we've certainly entered into very uncertain and unsettling times. But I hope in amongst it all, there have also been good things. That you've had an opportunity to spend time with family. That perhaps you've been able to do a hobby that you weren't able to do before. Or perhaps it's as simple as just a phone call with someone really significant in your life. Uh, certainly for us, uh, we've had a couple of days off this week. Uh, so it's been wonderful to spend that together as a family. Uh, we've done some exercise, uh, walking on the beach. We painted a fence together. And in the evening, we've sat around our outdoor fire. And that's just all been uh, fantastic stuff. Uh, but it's good to have some time off. It's also good to be back again. For the next little while in this podcast, I hope you find that it's a time to relax, to reflect, uh, to spend some time just uh, keeping some perspective about who we are in Christ in these uncertain times. Yeah, as people, we don't know what the future holds. We don't know what next week holds, uh, for good or for bad. Uh, but we do know that in Christ, we have a certain ultimate future. And that's something that we look forward to, no matter what our present circumstances. And all of that is possible because of what God the Father did through his son Jesus as he died and rose again. And so today we're going to look at what does it mean for Jesus to be sitting at the right hand of the Father now? What does it mean in the present for us? And so Pete Stacey is going to be opening the Bible for us. We'll also have an opportunity to pray together, to sing, and for our highlight we'll be meeting Murray, who's been working with us uh, particularly this year with our young adults. So sit back, enjoy, and I hope you find this time together uplifting. Hi there everyone, it's Linda Pill here. I'm going to do a Bible reading for you today uh, from the book of Luke, chapter 24, verses 50 to 53. That's Luke 24, verses 50 to 53. When he had led them out to the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands and blessed them. While he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up into heaven. Then they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy, and they stayed continually at the temple praising God. And 
wonderful truth that our God welcomes us when we come before him in prayer. My name is Peter Miller and it's my pleasure and privilege to share this time with you this morning as we seek to worship and praise his holy name in this way.
Let's pray. Our loving God and Heavenly Father, we come before you in prayer this morning, in praise and thankfulness for who you are, our great Creator and King. You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honour and power. For you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. Almighty God, we are not worthy of your love and mercy. Thank you for the grace that you continue to pour out to us. Thank you for sending Jesus to be our great Redeemer, that we might be able to come into joyous relationship with you. We rejoice that you pardon and forgive those who submit to your Lordship and truly repent. Help us by your Spirit to live godly, righteous and holy lives and finally come to your eternal glory through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Father God, we continue to bring our church family before you in prayer. Heavenly Father, fill us all with the knowledge of your will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding, in order that we may live a life worthy of you and may please you in every way. May we bear fruit in every good work, grow in the knowledge of God, be strengthened with all power according to your glorious might, so that we may have great endurance and patience, and joyfully give thanks to you, our Father, who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. Amen. For those we know who are experiencing difficult and testing times, Father, we pray that you will look on your people with compassion in their time of need. Please give them courage and complete confidence in your protection and give them your peace. Amen. We continue to pray for our ministry leaders and mission partners, both here and overseas, as they seek to adapt to these changing times in their service of you and your people. Please give them the wisdom and perseverance they need to continue to strive to lead your people well and to bring the saving news of the gospel to the lost. Amen. We also pray, Father, for all the churches in our city, and this week we ask for your blessing on the ministry of St Paul's Anglican Parish and Shell Harbour City Baptist Church. May the light of the gospel shine through the leaders and members of this church throughout their community and beyond. Amen. Finally, Father, we bring our local, national and international communities before you. These are times of great need right across the globe, times that perhaps most in the community have never experienced or even imagined. Father God, we plead for your grace and mercy for all who are suffering through this pandemic. We pray that your people will be strengthened through their faith in you, that we might all be light in the darkness of this seriously difficult time. We pray that many will turn to you in repentance and faith, and we pray that you will give wisdom to those in authority as they seek to make decisions that are right and that benefit their communities. Loving God, we praise and thank you for hearing our prayers this morning. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Saviour and Lord. Amen. Over the last couple of years, we've developed a partnership with St Paul's Shell Harbour in the village. 
and in particular with a focus on our children and young people. And it's been wonderful to see how that partnership has helped our young people uh, grow in their love for Jesus. Uh, this year, we've expanded that partnership and Murray, who works for St Paul's, has also been working with our young adults. And so for today, for our highlight, we thought it'd be good to meet Murray and to meet his family. So here's a short video and it will start with a bit of a game from their family. Enjoy. Hi everyone, we're the Borders. I'm Murray. I'm Sarah. I'm Melka. lovely to meet you guys. I'm sorry we can't meet you in person. Uh, but today we're going to play a little bit of a game. So for you guys to figure out which one of us you're more like. So I'm going to ask a few 50-50 uh, questions. You'll see what we prefer. You choose what you prefer and see if you're more like an Emma or if your tastes are more like a Malachi or if you're more an Isla person or maybe even a Sarah person. We'll see who everybody's like. Let's go. First question. Do you prefer pizza or fish and chips? Yeah. Fish and chips. Well, we've, got, we've got a few people on fish and chips. Lucy's got both. And a couple of people on pizza. I wonder what you've chosen at home. Alright, next question. Do you prefer cats or dogs? Cats. Alright, I wonder what you guys are. So if you can do you prefer school or homeschool? Homeschool. Homeschool. I'm good. I'm good. You're on break? There you go. We're having having a good time doing homeschool at the moment, which is great. Uh, next question. Do you prefer oh I know this is a good one for you. Do you prefer pepper pig or bluey? Bluey bluey! Everybody else loves Bluey. Alright, last one. Do you prefer the pool or the beach? The pool or the beach? The beach. Oh, I prefer the pool too. I prefer the beach. Alright. I wonder what you guys came up with yourself. If you got six, maybe we six questions. If you got them all the same as any one of us, do let us know in the comments at the end. Say who you're more like. Are you more a Lucy person, or a Murray person, or a Malachi person? Or I'm Fantastic. Like Everyone, shall we say goodbye? Bye! What's your full name? My full name is Murray Peter Border. And what's your favourite colour? Favourite colour is blue. And where did you meet your beautiful wife? Uh, Sarah and I met uh, at Beach Mission down at Lake Conjola about maybe four to, oh, probably 16 or so years ago now. Um, yeah, which is fantastic. How long have you lived in Shell Harbour for? Uh, so we moved down here at the start of 2018. Uh, so I'm the children's minister at St Paul's Anglican Church. Um, yeah, so we've been down here for a couple of years. We've loved the area. The kids are going to Flinders uh, Primary School. Um, yeah, it's a wonderful place place to be uh, serving God. I'm a Christian. Uh, so I'm very thankful that my mum became Christian shortly after I was born. Uh, so I've grown up going to church. Uh, mum decided to take me to church so I'd get a little bit of moral upbringing and became a Christian through that. 
And so I've always known that God was there. Uh, I've always sort of understood things about him. Uh, I guess all through uh, high school, I kept understanding more and more uh, what it all meant and the depth of my sin uh, and came to really understand uh, the gospel and that why Jesus had to die so I could be forgiven and just continually be blown away by that and more and more thankful for what Jesus has done. And what does a normal week look like for you? Yeah, so at the moment it looks very different. We'll go back a month or so. So in a normal week I do a couple of days scripture teaching. So one day at Morella High School, uh, which again looks different this year, and a day doing primary school scripture teaching. I take a toddler's group at, um, at St Paul's, a couple of Bible study groups, do kids club and youth group, and then church stuff on Sunday. So, What are your hopes for young adults? Yeah, so I'm really excited to be able to take the young adults uh, group this year. Uh, I'm hoping for them that they can be a community of people who are growing in their faith and growing in their faith together, that they can encourage one another and spur one another on in their faith in our great God. Uh, And also that they work out how this faith plays out in every aspect of their life, Uh, from the things that they do at uni to at work to what they do with their money. Uh, Our faith affects, is worked out into all that we do. I'm hoping that that uh, plays out for them. Our second reading today is from the book of Acts, chapter 1, verses 1 to 11. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven, after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them, and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptised with water, but in a few days you will be baptised with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus, who has been taken from you into heaven, will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. G'day friends, my name's Pete Stacey and I'm so glad you can join us. What a fantastic passage this is, where we see the arrival of the promised Holy Spirit and the followers of Jesus having moved from the absolute devastation of seeing him die on the cross 
now to the overflowing joy, having seen him numerous times after the resurrection. And here they see him ascend to heaven with the promise that the Holy Spirit is going to be poured out on all believers in a whole new way. Exciting times. And it would be great for us uh, here today to follow this passage uh, closely, but that's not what we're going to do. Those of you who regularly attend our church know that our normal practice is to read a passage like this and then to explore it uh, in detail to understand what God is saying to us and how his word can shape our lives. And if you want to do that, jump on our website and under the Listen tab, you'll find a whole series of messages exploring the book of Acts. It was a couple of years ago. It was great. Uh, But today, we're going to follow a theme through. We're going to look at the ascension of Jesus. What we've just read tells us what happened. But why is it important? Why did Jesus have to go away? And where is he now? And what's he doing? And I think we need to ask that question, why does it matter anyway? What difference does it make to our lives today? Before we dive in, let's ask God for his help. Father in heaven, what we know not, teach us. What we are not, make us. What we have not, give us. For your glory alone. Well, to follow this theme, we're going to be jumping into lots of different passages from the Bible. So keep your Bible open there at Acts chapter 1, and I'll put the other passages on the screen. Now, if you're taking notes, I've broken it into three parts. Uh, the preparation the position, and thirdly, the purpose of the ascension. That way you know exactly how fast we're moving. Let's begin with the preparation. One of God's mercies, when you know someone is departing, is that you have the opportunity to prepare and to say the really important things. And that's what Jesus does here. And he's so gracious. After his suffering, and death on the cross, his burial, and then rising again. Don't you think he'd just want to go back to heaven? Yeah, go and see the Father immediately. But instead, he spends time with his disciples, 40 days, according to verse 3. And what does he do? Well, he teaches them about the kingdom of God. That's what we saw last week, the two disciples on the road to Emmaus. Jesus explained how the whole Old Testament was pointing forward to and was fulfilled in him. I like the bit here in verse 4 when uh, it says there, while he was eating with them. There's Jesus just hanging out with the disciples, chewing on lunch and having a chat. So real, so human, so alive. And yet, after the resurrection, so wonderfully divine as well. And it happens again and again. Uh, Over in uh, 1 Corinthians, Paul said this. Well, he appeared to Peter and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time. So many eyewitnesses of his resurrection. And what was Jesus doing? Well, by appearing to them, he banished their fears and disarmed their doubts. He opened their minds to understand the scriptures and he taught them all they needed to know for their life of ministry ahead. He prepared them for the coming of the Holy Spirit and he commissioned them to be his witnesses 
And then, only then, was he ready to leave them. Imagine Thomas wrestling with his doubts without the Lord's gracious appearing and reassurance. Thomas, put your finger in my hand. Put your hand in my side. Imagine Peter, the broken-hearted denier, without the Lord's forgiveness. Yeah, the last time their eyes had met was in a firelit courtyard as a rooster was crying. Now Jesus meets him on a beach to reinstate him and to refocus him as a leader in ministry. Imagine Mary, his distressed mother, who watched her son die on the cross and wept on John's shoulder. Now seeing, hearing, perhaps touching her risen son before his departure. Imagine all of his followers full of joy but lacking direction without his clear commission to spread the good news. Final words. Final words are often very significant. Luke chapter 24, as we heard a moment ago, said this. Jesus lifted up his hands and blessed them while he was blessing them. He left them and was taken up into heaven. Their final and enduring image of Jesus was of him blessing them. It's wonderful, isn't it? It calls to mind the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, blessing their sons. It's what a loving father does to his children. Now, we don't have a record of the exact words, but the posture alone reveals the magnificent, caring character of our Lord towards his followers. I can just say that if you are a follower of Jesus, then know for certain that you are blessed by him. Over in Ephesians chapter 1, it's a fantastic chapter. When we're finished, why don't you look it up and read it? Uh, Paul says this. He's exploding with... Uh, he can't, can't contain his words. He says this. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. And then he goes on with a whole list of blessings. Friends, we are blessed by Jesus what a gracious, loving friend he is. And Luke tells us how the disciples responded having seen Jesus depart. And I think it's a really helpful model for us. Verse 52 says, They worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and they stayed continually at the temple praising God. Worship, obedience and great joy. What a superb combination. Wouldn't it be great if we were known as a church, if people described us as a church, a bunch of people who worship Jesus, who do what Jesus says, and are filled with joy. Wouldn't that be fabulous? Jesus' disciples, they were well prepared for his departure. And I think that's why Jesus' exit from earth was just as miraculous as his entrance. Imagine if he just appeared less and less often over a long period of time. His disciples would be waiting, hoping, looking around, hoping to see him again. And eventually, I think they'd just be disillusioned. But there was a clear and remarkable moment of departure. They saw it, they understood what it meant, and they were prepared. Well, let's now consider 
where Jesus is now. Let's consider his position. Luke finishes his gospel and begins his history of the church, not with a suffering Christ, not with a crucified or buried Christ, not even with a risen Christ, but with an exalted Lord at his Father's side on the throne of heaven. If we jump back to Acts chapter 1, verse 9 says, He was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. Now the upward upward direction indicates God's approval. It's a sign of being honoured, being lifted up, being exalted. And the cloud, of course, that's a familiar Old Testament sign of God's presence. This is exactly what Jesus said would happen. In John chapter 6, he said to his disciples, I came from the Father and entered the world. Now I am leaving the world and going back to the Father. And again in Luke chapter 22, uh, he says, From now on, the Son of Man will be seated at the right hand of Almighty God. From those verses, we can see that even before his departure, he was preparing his disciples. So when Peter explained what had happened just uh, to the crowds just a few moments later in Acts chapter 2, he said this, God raised Jesus from the dead, and we are all witnesses of this. Now he is exalted to the place of highest honour in heaven at God's right hand. Now if we jump back to uh, Ephesians chapter 1, 16 verses later, Paul is still talking about the blessings we have in Christ. And when he mentions God's power at work in our hearts, one of the blessings, he adds this. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and, now listen to this description of Jesus' position, and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things, all things, under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything. The fact that Jesus is enthroned as master of the universe should be of great encouragement to all believers. The early Christians, they sang about it, and so do we. I love that uh, that song in Philippians chapter 2. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place, And gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Amen. Now those words, they should fill our hearts with joy. But I think it's fair that they they also raise some serious questions in our minds as well. You see, not every knee is bowing. Not every tongue is confessing. In fact, to be honest, at a time like this, when our society is becoming more and more anti-Christian and we're all caught in a global pandemic, it doesn't feel like all things under Jesus' feet and his head over everything. I mean, is he really in control? Well, the answer is found in our third point. What is the purpose of Jesus' ascension. And it has a lot to do with timing. You see, this was the beginning of a whole new stage 
of history in God's plan for the world. Now, we've already seen uh, that Jesus' position at his right hand is not for resting, but for ruling. And it's an image of uh, not of inactivity, but of authority. So remember his words in uh, that great commission in Matthew 28. All authority in heaven and on earth is given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples. He states his position and power. Then he explains the implications. I rule, he says, therefore you go. Now, someone might object. Couldn't the risen, ruling Jesus just force everyone to believe in him? Oh, yeah, of course he could. And that will happen at his return to judge the world. But his purpose now is to give us time. Time to share the gospel so people can hear the good news, can turn from sin and put their trust in Christ and be saved. In Romans uh, chapter 2, Paul puts it pretty bluntly. Do you think you'll escape God's judgment? Or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, tolerance and patience, not realising that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance? But because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart, you're storing up wrath against yourself for the day of God's wrath, when his righteous judgment will be revealed. See, the purpose of Jesus' ascension is to give us time, time to share the good news with all who will listen, knowing that the power is not in our meagre efforts to speak, but in Jesus and his gospel message. That means that the outcome of our sharing always achieves his good purpose. Sometimes that's to save lost souls, and sometimes it's to reveal hard hearts. Now, the purpose of Jesus' ascension was to give us time to share the gospel. But it was also to give us his wonderful, powerful Holy Spirit. He explained it to his disciples like this. Truly, I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate, that's the Holy Spirit, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. See, the Spirit would not be sent until Jesus had ascended. And that's a good thing. See, like us, Jesus in his humanity was physically in one place. Yeah, he could not be in Jerusalem and in Galilee at the same time. No more than I can be in Sydney and Shaw Harbour at the same time. But by his Spirit, he now dwells with and comforts and counsels and encourages and strengthens and empowers the witness of believers all over the planet at the same time. Friends, it's a good thing that Jesus ascended so the Spirit could come. Now in heaven, Jesus is not only a king who rules, but also a priest who intercedes for us. He represents us before God the Father. You can imagine Jesus saying, Hey, Dad, I think this follower of mine needs a, a little extra help and encouragement. Now, the, the writer of Hebrews explored this theme. For example, in chapter 4, we read, Since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathise with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, 
yet did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. You see, in Old Testament times, access to God's presence was limited to one person, the high priest, to one place, the Holy of Holies, and to one time, the Day of Atonement. But because Jesus has ascended and is our high priest permanently in heaven, all believers have direct access to God in prayer, in all places, at all times, whenever and wherever. One writer reflected on this and uh, wrote, How the angels must wonder why we make so little use of this privilege of an audience with the king. So Jesus ascended to give us time to share the good news. He ascended so the Holy Spirit could come. He's ready and waiting to hear our prayers and he's interceding for us in heaven. And lastly, Jesus is preparing a place for us. In John chapter 14, Jesus said this to comfort his disciples. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me. Jesus is getting heaven ready for all who trust in him. We're right to feel a sense of joyful anticipation as we look forward to Jesus' return to take us home. Now we approach the throne of grace in confident prayer. But one day we will be there with him forever. Friends, as we recognise more clearly who Jesus is, where Jesus is, and how he's actively caring for us right now, how should we respond? I think like the early Christians. We should worship him with grateful, joy-filled hearts. We should pray to him and seek to obey him in everything. And we should boldly share the good news of salvation in his name. Not just because other people need to hear it, but because all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to our ascended Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Friends, let me close with the words of a very old hymn. Jesus, heavenly hosts adore you, seated at your Father's side. Crucified, this world once saw you. Now, in glory you abide. There for sinners you are pleading, and our place you now prepare, always for us interceding, till in glory we appear. Amen. That brings us almost to the end of our time together this morning. It'd be great if we could continue to encourage one another on Facebook. So if you're watching this on Facebook, uh, go on now to leave a comment or just share something that's encouraged you. But you also might want to look for opportunities this week to get in touch with someone and just see how they're going, because I'm sure they would find that really encouraging. For many of our people, uh, we meet together each week in connect groups, and that's an opportunity to spend some time in God's Word, to share life together, to pray together. If that's something that would interest you, then uh, please drop me a line, uh, get in touch, and I'm sure we can find a group that would suit you. Finally, uh, we're about to start a What's Christianity All About course. It's called the Life Course. It runs for five weeks. 
It'll be starting on April 28 at 7.30 in the evening and Pete Stacey will be running it. And this is an opportunity just to think about what Christianity is all about. It's a chance to ask some questions and to then make a choice for yourself. So again, if that's something that interests you, drop me a message and we'll give you more details. That's it for me. Have a fantastic week. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord.